Good evening and welcome to a celebratory championship edition of the JMU Sports Blog Podcast. I'm Todd. I'm joined as always by my buddy Rob. What's up, Rob? Nothing. Kings of the East, huh? Kings of the East, indeed. Uh, this was a really satisfying conclusion to, I don't know what to say, Rob. One of the most fun, just purely fun JMU seasons I can remember. Um there's a lot of reasons for that, but uh, you know, yeah, this was a fantastic weekend, um, and it was just—I don't know—they just whipped Coastal Carolina's ass. Oh, it, I mean, it was a—it yeah. was a beating. It was, it was a complete debacle. Yes, that was old school. Um, really fun. Welcome everybody to a, a night where we are going to celebrate the 2022 JMU football team in a way that they deserve. And everything about this season um, that was positive. We will come back, you know, next week or in future weeks and talk about transfer quarterbacks and and uh, recruiting battles over current commits and um, maybe even some Schadenfreude of uh, coaches leaving other Virginia programs. <laughs> For other jobs, um, there there will be time to celebrate all of those fun things at, at the time, and and maybe even um, you know, complain, nitpick here and there about concessions and what have you. Um, but for this weekend, we're going to celebrate a lot of things um, and have some fun, and I hope you guys are along for the ride. As always, we're brought to you by Mossy Creek Fly Fishing in Harrisonburg, Virginia. You can go to mossycreekflyfishing.com and look at all their holiday sales they have going on. It's still Cyber Monday right now, but by the time most of you get this, there'll be sales all month uh, leading up to holidays. You can pick up anything you need. And if you go by the shop in Harrisonburg, you can mention the podcast and get a free sticker. So big thanks to Mossy Creek for another season. Looking forward to hanging out with those guys again soon. Uh, Rob, before we do football, can we talk about volleyball briefly? (laughs) Tournament bound volleyball. Tournament bound JMU volleyball. Uh, Sun Belt champs. Uh, really pleased. Kind of a co- that was cool that there was some video last night. Some of the reporters, Daily News Record, the Breeze, kind of covering that. I thought that was fun. There were some you know tweets with reaction shots from the team. Um, those videos are always so much fun for basketball, and it's great to see them in other sports as well. Uh, they're going to Pitt. Uh, Pitt is the what are they? The number two seed. So it's a 64 team tournament. Pitt is the number two seed in that region. I don't know what that equates to. Um, I think it's actually the Nebraska region. Um, but JMU is playing BYU in the first round. So BYU is the seven seed in that region. I, my, I don't know. Not that we know anything about this, Rob. It seemed like the, the women, the women on the team were very excited about this matchup. They seemed like this was a big deal. I know mm-hmm. BYU historically is a strong volleyball program. So, like, this game will be noticed kind of a thing, uh, which is really cool. It also seems winnable. I was a little bit pissed, and I hope the players also were pissed. I imagine Coach was as well. This is the first year that volleyball is – so they have a 64-team tournament, but each within each of the four brackets – or regions, they seeded the top eight teams. So that means essentially there were 32 seeded teams. JMU finished the season 
ranked 22nd in the RPI, which is the metric that supposedly the committee uses to rank the teams and was not given one of those eight seeds anywhere. So uh, what? I don't know. And supposedly this is like a, a test run for the NCAA for something they might roll out in other sports, i.e. softball, which would, and it's just another example of people being lazy and not. Well, it's them ignoring their own metrics. Exactly. They they put things out there and they go on the record saying, this is how we do things. This metric is more important than this one, blah, blah, blah. And then they throw it out and they just go based on history and P5. Yeah. They just act like FIFA all the time. Yeah. It's just ridiculous. Like the same thing in the, I mean, it's exactly the same thing as Ohio State still being in the top four of the college football playoff rankings. Yeah. Which is just horseshit, right? Like it's just so frustrating that in every sport, they just are going to find a way to get the teams they want in the places they want. And then they'll make up the rationale later. Like it's such crap. But I also think a seven seed is not particularly strong. If you think of that in basketball, March Madness terms, that's a seven ten matchup. Um, I saw Jeff Bourne tweet out like very good chance to go get their first NCAA tournament win. Mm-hmm. Like, let's go do it, ladies. You got this thing. Uh, it's going to be really fun. They beat BYU. They'll likely play Pitt. That's a big chance against a team that's been highly rated all year, um, you know, ACC team. So I, I don't know. Been a fun thing. It's going to be fun to watch them this week. Uh, I don't know. Let's all just – we'll be talking about volleyball later in the week, and we will certainly break it down next week. But really excited for the program and, and hope they – I would just love to see them get a win, get in the mix, you know. I, I feel like they've been playing so consistently. They can probably hang in there with anyone. You know, volleyball's a weird sport in that the top of the the very top of the sport is extremely strong. But would love to, there's no reason they can't win this first game. So really excited to watch them this week. And with that, we'll go on to football. Rob, a 47-7 demolition of Coastal Carolina this week to win the Sunbelt East in year one. You know, this game started off a little slow. Uh, you know, I was actually kind of frustrated. Yeah, we were a little frustrated, quarter. a little yeah. nervous. Yeah, first quarter, I was annoyed. Like that fourth down, I guess you don't even call it a conversion. It's a, the fourth down touchdown yeah, yeah. that they got. I mean, I was just, I was kind of beside myself being like, what is going on? This is a situation where it's going to give it away. And yep. um, I didn't find guests to be particularly effective, but he made a couple plays in that first quarter. Yeah. And it was not looking good. And then it was like old school <laughs> JMU versus Towson season ender, you know, yes, yes, where it's yes. just you turn on the gas and boom, it was, uh, I mean, it, they, they could not stop us. And I'm sure there's going to be excuses or there are excuses being made about McCall being out. And yeah, that's great. But McCall don't play defense. And 47 7. 47 7. had I mean, nothing like, to do with McCall. We heard this yeah. from Coastal. Coastal fans are the, by the way, they were the easily the, the worst, worst team we played all year in terms of their fans acting foolish. And we predicted that, didn't we? I believe we in the did. beginning you of the season. Said this all along. You were I like, said it all along. Whatever. I was like, you know, yeah. who's going to be the most hated fan base in Sunbelt two months from now, and why is it Coastal? Like, I just knew. Yeah. Like, you, you just peruse Twitter, and they just have this kind of grimy, weird, <laughs> insecure thing about them. Like, I guess I, I don't know the full history, but I guess this is not the first time that the rest of the belt has played the asterisk card on one of their – quote unquote championships, but um this is pathetic. And then them being like, oh well we had nothing to play for. 
you know, you got nothing to play for. Jamie onto the championship. Onto the championship. You know, both like JMU was the definition of nothing to play for. You know, internally motivated. And look what they did. So yeah, I I thought that made it a little bit sweeter. And I can see this one being a game that I am very excited about year in and year out. Oh yeah. Yeah. Well, and I'm gonna be excited. I have to say, I mean, coastal fans aside, obviously we're all excited for a trip to the beach. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like this is going to be a fun road game. And I know that there are a ton of JMU and JMU adjacent folks um, down in the Horry County, South Carolina area. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll get to it in a second, but well, no, we'll say it now, including one coach, Mickey Matthews, yeah, who spoke to the JMU team this weekend or before the game on Friday. That was so How, great, man. That was awesome. And, you know, I, I don't know who made that happen. Um, you know, I have to think Signetti had a hand in it, but I'm sure. He I mean, wasn't. he at least had to give he the thumbs to, up, if right, not he had be the guy that said do this. Yes. Um, um, I you know it feels like for as much as we love Jeff Bourne, I, it would be understandable if Bourne and Mickey. You know, I, I don't think Bourne's the one who convinced Mickey to do anything. You know, um, you know. So I, I just yeah, that was really awesome, and it was whatever small little bit. It was just great. It was really great. Well, and I think the hardcore Jamie fans, people like us, have been looking forward to this day for a number mm-hmm. of years. I mean, actually, we've been looking forward to Mickey being welcomed back at a game, you know, mm-hmm. and, and honored at halftime or something like that. Uh, yeah. But this was terrific. Like, to me, this is just a sign that Signetti really has come around to mm-hmm. get, get, understand like what makes the JMU fan base take and what the culture is. And um, he's got a huge role in that, obviously. He's driving the culture. But this was terrific to, to bring him back um, for this game in particular. I just yeah. thought it was so on the nose and such a such a welcome welcome development for, that this was sure. the first season. And to do, you know, to, to not let the first season pass by without bringing Mickey back and acknowledging that, you know, he he played a very large role in this. This wouldn't be happening this year if Mickey hadn't gotten us that first championship in 2004. He 100% did the actual agricultural work. Yes. Agricultural work, whatever I'm trying to say, of planting the seed mm-hmm. that this season grew out of. Yeah. No, like there is no one else that is more responsible. There are other people who are very influential. I mean, all the way back, right? I mean, McMillan, Ehlers, there are carrier. There are a lot Richard, of other people yeah. who, yeah, who had hands in this. But Mickey is the real one who actually put his hand in the dirt and got this rolling. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, there's no doubt about it. Um, so, do you have anywhere you want to start? We should just do four downs. There might be five or six as usual. Yeah, I mean, we always say four downs. Then we just start team. talking. Um, yeah. Well, who was your first down? What is your first down, Rob? I mean, they don't have enough. Talk about saving the best for last. <laughs> yeah. I yeah. goodness gracious, like it was kind of a joy to see that happen. But I also got to admit, it was a little bit of like, oh my gosh, where was <laughs> like to see that guy? Like, not only to be that effective, but the catches. Those were not easy catches to make, and no, but, that yeah. that will be how I remember Ravenel. Actually, like I, I it, he he battled injuries and so on and so forth, but like. The guy could make the hard catches look easy. Yeah. Sometimes he could do the opposite and make the easy catches look hard. But like yep. that guy had tremendous hands. And it was really I, I thought just fun. It would be the operative word here. Fun to see a guy go ball out like that on his senior day and just 
uh, show folks like it, it makes it was a little bittersweet because like man if this guy was healthy for all four years what could happen but I thought it was great you know never too late and he ended up I think he tied with Thornton for the lead in touchdown receptions this year you mm-hmm. know he got two two on Saturday I think he had seven on the year but I just thought that was so cool to see a guy go out like that um, particularly from you know that family whose brother played for say, JMU yeah, yeah. like it just it was kind of like a storybook sort of ending for him so I was thrilled to see that and see how well he played. And it was exciting. You know, it, it totally turned, turned the tide in that game with his. Yeah. That's a great place to start. That was my, I'd written that down as one of mine. Um, Yeah, it was phenomenal. And, and for a guy, I mean, Brandon Ravenel, Devin Ravenel, that's been a real through line Mm -hmm. of the entire Houston to Signetti era, right? Like this real true golden age there's been a Ravenel involved in a lot of big moments. And I think my lasting memory of him, it was awesome because it will be like, I think the number one highlight will always be the Montana play mm-hmm. from the semifinal last year. Um, but this game is the true game highlight for him. Yeah, you're right. It was fantastic. Um, and on a similar note, I mean, I think Percy yeah. also played like unbelievable. Yeah. And he's just been such a, you know, those two guys have been through some things and, and, you know, Ravenel, he was there for all of the, you know, he was there in 2016, even if he wasn't on the field yet. Right. Yeah. Like, I mean, he's been a part of the program or around the program for a long time. And um, yeah, the, both of those guys were great. I, I just, Ravenel was, it was such a fun, you're right. That catch in the back of the end zone was really good. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was just great to see him. Um yeah, for second down, I got to say, Rob, and I'll, I'll kind of go on that too out of this because I got a lot of things to say, but we got to talk about Coach Signetti, right? I mean, first of all, I don't know how much of this was in the game plan for this week, but he clearly was like, first of all, he was like, he was 100% sure we were going to beat their ass. <laughs> like from before the game to after the game, you could tell. Mm-hmm. To the point where it appeared in the game plan, I mean, the play to Painter, and the stuff with Ravenel and Percy and like not really like he was sort of limited in his use of Latrell and Kalon, I thought like there was some, almost some game planning around, like we're going to throw this to the seniors, mm-hmm. right? Like, I mean, I don't know. That was really fun. I mean, you have to feel pretty good to start messing like with that a little bit. Yeah. And just his general, I, I know we're, we're in a world cup cycle now. So, you know, the, the English, uh, what would be the English vernacular here, Rob? The bants, yeah. the, the banter. Um, he was out of control in the, in the like 48 hours. I mean, first of all, he brought in Mickey to talk to the team, which obviously is a sign of a, a happy guy or a, com- you know, at least a very um, comfortable, you know, with comfortable his own in his own skin. Yeah. Yes. Uh, a guy who was a new grandfather, a first time grandfather earlier in the week said that he actually had like woke up late and missed practice and then brought the other coaches cigars because he was so happy to be a granddad, Yeah, which was really cool. Um, his smile after the Gatorade bath was, you know, very reminiscent of the smile, the little wry smile at the end of the app state game. Mm-hmm. But this one didn't have quite the, you know, look, he didn't have anything else to worry about except just being happy. And then his like, just annihilation of, <laughs> of Coastal after the game in the press conference uh, where he said, 
I don't know exactly what he, what did he say. He said, uh, "So they got five years to develop a backup, a backup quarterback, right?" <laughs> they asked him McCall being out, and he was like, "They've had five years, you know." Yeah, I mean, wow, there was <laughs> that was really fun, and for all of the, you know, Rob Ezra and company, right, whoever along the way, some of our Signetti's Twitter haters over the last few years. Like, have, has he won a big game yet, Rob? Oh, no, no, they're all... No, he no. still hasn't won a big game. No, right? these were all... He was favored. Doesn't count. Because you all, everyone realizes that were it not for these arcane, ridiculous rules, this season would not be over early. We would be going back to Bridgeforth hosting the Sunbelt Championship game this weekend. Like, in his, you know, we don't have to even get into that. I'm, we're not here to complain. They went eight and three in their first year in FBS. You and I said at the start of the season, six and five would be a dream. Yeah. Right? That would be an uh, unqualified success. To keep the 20 year streak of 500 or better alive would be phenomenal. They went eight and three. They went six and two in the East. They were ranked in the AP top 25. Getting votes this week. Getting votes this week. They hosted and beat an AP top 25 ranked team for the first time in program history. And they did it all in kind of an odd way where they, you know, they raced out to the 5-0 start. They had the injuries not, you know, and and it's not fair to just say Centeo, who seemed to play pretty darn well in the loss to Georgia Southern. But, like, they had other injuries there in the middle of the season. They lost three in a row. In a season that, like, okay, now you've lost your ranking, you've lost a lot, I don't know, your national buzz. And to come back and win the last three the way they did, I mean. They could have gone completely off the rails there. Completely off the rails with a different, yeah. And we saw this last year. I mean, JMU's fortunate to have a lot of good coaches across Mm -hmm. pretty much all the sports. But we saw how hard it was for really good coaches to keep their teams motivated last year when they had nothing to play for in the CAA. Yep. I mean, that's kind of the same situation that that they were in, <clears throat> that football was in all year, mm-hmm. just but doing it a level up. You know, it was hard enough doing it against the yep. same level of competition last spring. So I don't know. I thought it was a tremendous performance. And you and I, heat of the moment, we will text each other and second guess this decision and that decision and you kind of scream and yell like any fans do about coaches. Mm-hmm. But man, you sit back. This was a masterclass in coaching this season. Given it really all of, was. of what was going mm-hmm. on, this still was basically an FCS roster um, mm-hmm. to manage not just the highs but also the lows. You know, the three game losing streak. It was just, it was fantastic. And then to do it with like the guy has never really been known to have a lot of swagger, but he's no. got some swagger now. <laughs> like he's yeah in his own way, his own kind of grandfatherly way yeah. in a very literal sense. Um, He's kind of got this this cockiness or swagger about him that seems to resonate with his guys. Oh, it cracks me up too. Susie, call, my, my wife calls him uh, mom khakis, mm-hmm. um, you know, because he wears the pleated, yep. like the, the mom khakis, the large, oversized khakis on the sidelines. Um, but yeah, there's a real, like, I, I don't know. He knew, it's funny to, to me. I mean, he joked at the off-season events about, oh, we're going to go 11-0. and 0. <laughs> And, and you could tell he didn't believe that. But, man, he was ready. And this coaching staff and just everything about it too, Rob. I'm sitting here. I'm looking at the roster, and we'll do this next week or in the future. There's only three guys on the defensive two deep who are seniors. Like, I don't know what the portal has in store for us, but 
if it has more things like Jamari Edwards in store for us, sign me up, you know? And some of that is about understanding the bigger picture of college football at the moment and hiring the right people. We're going to get to some assistant coaches, the staff, everything else. Um, but man, I, I just, this, like you said, I just, what a masterful job. In well, did you hear his year. other comments about the kind of bragging about his own prowess and the staff's prowess at developing quarterbacks? Oh, no. Did you see those quotes? Yeah, no. Those yeah. were even funnier. Forget about the other team. He was like, you know, we came in here. He's like, Ben DiNucci, nobody thought he could play through too many, uh, you know, too many interceptions, yeah. couldn't control the ball, conference player of the year. Yeah. And he's cool. like, you know, Cole Johnson, nobody thought he could play. We got him together, conference player of the year. Right. Todd Centeno chased out of Colorado State. He's going to be conference player of the year. Yep. And he's like, we know what we're doing here. Like, he just – I, I mean, I hope I don't regret this, <laughs> saying this or yeah. jinx it or anything, but he just seems like a guy who knows he's got a good thing in the yep. job that he has. He's happy, and he's just making the best of it. Like, I'm sure he's obviously ambitious. You don't get to be the head coach at JMU without having some degree of ambition and a great degree of drive. But he doesn't seem like a guy who's doing this – purely to keep climbing the ladder. He seems like he's a guy and I'm sure he's going to have offers and he'll consider them. And we don't really want to think about that, but it just, it just seems like a guy who knows what he's got is proud of it and isn't afraid to kind of flex on it a little bit and take it all in. I don't know. It's just, it's just fun to watch. It's really fun to watch. I mean, and just, Oh, what a great, yes, it was really fun to watch. And sort of the development of the other coaches this year. Mm -hmm. I mean, replacing Corey Heatherman, you know, sort of giving John Miller to necessary bigger roles, like just really fun all the way around. Also seems like a guy who's um, going to be perfectly happy to, um, if, if there's a, another old nemesis back in the Sun Belt next year, yeah. um, one coach with a quote PhD in playoffs, right? <laughs> um, I don't know. If, if someone finds their way back to San Marcos. Um, yeah. Anyways, we'll, we'll see if, if the, if the Keeler, Keeler Keeler Voldemort raises his head again. <laughs> I, I don't have the feeling Signetti will be too troubled by that. Mm. That was really fun. Rob, what's your next one? Did you have anything for third down kind of? Anyone? Um, I didn't mean to celebrate Signetti overall and, and get away from this game because the game was really fun too. No, it was. Um, yep. I, can we talk about Jalen Walker? Yes. Well, it's good because I actually had written Taurus Jones, so okay. that's perfect. Perfect note. Yeah. I mean, the two of them. It's just it's really nice to see him playing well, to see him mm-hmm. back out there. Like, I don't know. He he's just a special, special player and a guy who honestly I didn't really appreciate or didn't really have on my personal radar at the beginning of the season. Mm-hmm. But now, like Saturday's game to me showed me how critical his and his play is. Like, he's just he's all over the place. Um, he seems to have good technique. He just seems to be very calm in the big moments, but um, just a special, special player. Yeah, him and Jones have been incredible. Like, I, I don't know. We're we're gonna do some superlatives after this. After the four downs, we're gonna talk about our sort of MVPs throughout the year um, and some position group stuff. And yeah, linebacker was a huge question mark for us coming into the year. And the two of them have been monsters. Yep. And you're right. Jalen Walker was just a game changing player. Um, and I, you can't coach speed. You still can't coach speed. That play where Torres Jones and Francis Meehan just like close, like, what was it? Was that a fourth down where the quarterback tried to run? I think it he was. He pulled it and tried to run. Yeah, it was the fourth down play. And they just, like, he was almost shocked. He didn't really get hit hard or anything, but he was just like, 
I thought I had the first down and then I yeah. didn't have the first. Who is this? <laughs> Who are these players? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Walker was really fun to watch this year. Uh, a couple of the, I mean, I think a couple of the more memorable plays of the season for sure. Right. Um, the, the Walker, I think the Walker interception against App State is probably the player of the year. I don't know if I'm missing anything, but in my mind, that was like, oh, holy shit, we're here. It's, like, it's back. This is, yeah. we're, well, it's all back, right? We could do this. Yeah. Um, and then obviously, he had the pick six later uh, in, the, in the year. Game was, oh, the ODU game, he had the pick six, I think. Yeah. Right. So, yeah. But, and they, sh- and they, and he's another guy. He's in that stretch of the Marshall Louisville stretch where they really missed him, you know, where he was injured along with Santeo. And you just really, really missed him. Um, and hopefully we get both those guys back next year. So that's Jones and Walker. So that's going to be awesome. Um, Rob, my fourth down, I'm giving it to Cam Wise. Yeah. <laughs> right? After I'm, all, I mean, you know I was always going to go here at the end of on fourth down. But, uh, yeah, I mean, fabulous year on the whole. Yeah. Like, no, no qualifications needed. Just – Kid who really had a hard start to the year, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, and I think one of those positions, I, I think quarterback was one where like it was really fortunate that we had a transfer come from another FBS program who had sort of been in the bright lights before. But kickers, another one where like there's just nowhere to hide. And now it all feels like the stakes are so much bigger. And he battled through that and was exceptional and hit two more field goals this weekend. <laughs> like... Yeah, college college kicking is hard. I mean, yes. Like, did you watch the UNC NC State mm-hmm. game? Yep. I mean yep. That, that guy's P five kicker. He missed an absolute chip shot by a mile. And you see that if you watch enough college football, you'll see that every weekend. Mm-hmm. Wise got better and better, and really just became you know kind of a steady, reliable weapon by the end of the year. Yep. No, it's it's. A long story, but I had to listen to a little bit of the first half on the radio this weekend, Rob. And um, the radio team was talking about how, like, Wise has really developed into, like, a super reliable. Like, all of a sudden, we're like, this is an automatic thing if he's inside 45 yards, yeah. you know? And that was – it was great to see. So just really impressed with him battling back, especially knowing, like, what we know, which is, like, I think they have Connor Madden back next year as well. Uh, unfortunately for Connor Madden, who's been wearing that knee brace all year, might have hurt himself when they let him try the long field goal at the end of the yeah. first half. Um, and I know they have a kicking recruit coming next year. Uh, but still, really, really fun season for Cam Wise. And and looking forward to seeing what he can do as a senior. So uh, really hoping he's back and kicking next year. So that's all. I don't, let's move on, Rob, if you're okay with it. Let's move on to the our kind of uh, senior superlatives, so to speak. Yeah. Is that all right? Yeah, go for it. So we're going to do this. We're going to do offensive, defensive, and special teams MVP for the season. And we're going to do a senior version and an underclassman version. And then we're going to do a couple um, sort of special categories at the end. Uh, Rob, I'm guessing we both have the same senior offensive MVP, correct? Todd? Yeah, it's okay. pretty hard to yeah, hard to go anywhere else, right? I'm four thinking times, he's four, yeah, four time player of the week, some belt, likely yeah. conference player of the year. I mean, I'm going to be rip shit if he's not conference player of the of the year. Like, what are they doing? Like, you can keep him out of the championship game, but 
is there anyone else that should be in this category? No, there really isn't. I mean, I know, look, I, I, and I know the running back at Marshall, the quarterback at Georgia Southern, like there've been other players that have had great years, but the guy, they won the East. McCall didn't finish the season. Like, I don't know what else you want to do here. Yeah. And they went out with a bang. Mm -hmm. You know, he had four touchdowns on Saturday through for Mm -hmm. nearly through for over 300 yards. It's just, uh, there's no reason he shouldn't get it. Yeah. No, I, I think that's, it's hard, right? Cause we'll, we'll talk about some other players that could have been up for this award in another section of this uh, part of the show, but Centeo, you know, cause I'm, I'm kind of biased. I have to admit, Rob, I'm still kind of biased and I'm going to have to learn on this on the transfer portal world at doing these awards. I'm kind of biased towards the players that have been with the program a bit. And, and that doesn't, I think you and I have said all the way back, certainly with Danucci forward, we've said like, you don't have to start at JMU, like be here as a true freshman for me to like think of you as an old school JMU person, but you have to sort of like be with the program a bit. <laughs> and I'm still, I think, biased in that regard, but Centeo was nothing short of incredible. Yeah. And I think, I mean, and I, I think, I think what yeah. you're saying, like Percy kind of, it, you, yeah. You can't underappreciate what he did and coming back the way that he did and having another outstanding year, Mm -hmm. really leading the running back room, finishing just a shade under a thousand yards, um, Mm -hmm. but splitting carries a lot of people, but really coming up big in the big moments, not the least of which was Saturday. You know, he had a couple of big runs in the second quarter to really spark things and turn, turn the page. So um, he was outstanding, but you just, Santeo just did, just kind of earned it running away in my mind. Yeah, I agree. So next we'll go to our senior defensive MVP. Um, did you have one here? I know I have one in particular here, Rob. I was um, going to say Uku. Yeah, it's it's undoubtedly. I think I think Uku is the call. Uh, obviously, there's only three of them really in this, and they're all Jamari Edwards had a great year. Another case where I'm a little bit biased. Same with Jordan Swan, who I think was – in some ways vastly underrated by the fan base this year, just because they were so thin at corner that it's hard to overstate like how important it was that Jordan Swan was like kind of always available. (laughs) Uh, But yeah, it's Uku. Uku had a, he had the season we had dreamed of him having for like three years. Like the talent had been there all along. We'd seen it and we just, it, you know, for because of injuries, we just he never got this chance, and he was an absolute like train wreck <laughs> for people this year. It was really fun to watch, and I actually like to the point where I wonder. You know, I think the scouts came this year. We we saw almost every NFL team came to a JMU practice this year, and you have to think, like guys like Percy, are you know, I, I don't. I mean, there's a. Chris Thornton, uh, maybe even Centeo at some point. But I got to think Edwards and Uku, like they're the kind of guys you look at too at some point, you know? So yeah, I, I'm hopeful for him, but big congrats to Uku. He, he was a huge leader for this team. And and much like you said about Percy, just having those guys kind of be them. I think I'm going to remember them maybe even above just their production. In the long, like 10 years from now, when I look back, they're going to be the real connective tissue between the FCS and the FBS era. 
you know, absolutely is those guys. So really cool. Um, Rob offensive MVP underclassman. Um, I'm cheating on my answer here, but (laughs) if you have anybody else go for it, I I think there's, there's an argument for, yeah, I think there's an argument for Kidwell. Yeah. Well, I think, yeah. yeah. Or, or just the line in general. I don't know. That was my cheating is I, I wanted to say the O-line okay. in general. That's the I think there's an argument for Reggie Brown. I was going to say actually. Reggie Brown. Everyone's going yeah. kill him black. Yep. Yeah. I, I would probably go the offensive line. If, if That's what I, that. for me, that was my cheating was the O-line as a whole. They're all underclassmen. They are to me, the most important story of this off season is keeping the offensive line and the two linebackers in the program. <laughs> like everything else will take care of itself, but like, and I should, and James Carpenter to a certain extent, but like, like we just talked about Taurus Jones and Jalen Walker at like that position group. And then the O-line, like just unbelievable performance from this offensive line this year. To me, the heart, if you really break it down in like, football guy terms, right? Like the reason that JMU was eight and three and was so successful at this transition in this first year was the offensive and defensive line play. Like they were just ready. This program was ready. And a lot of that. I think on paper would be the most difficult. A hundred percent. And, and it, and it, I think that truly this goes back to the Houston era. um, But it's certainly the Signetti recruiting has been a whole different ball game and it was the recognition that like if we're going to try to compete with North Dakota State at the FCS level the place where they kill everyone is up front and JMU has changed they changed their own game by the way they've recruited and developed talent at those two positions and I mean you heard Jamie Chadwell the coastal coach said coming into this week we said last week he wasn't kidding this was the best offensive line they played all year and when I saw Percy running 40 yards downfield, it's hard not to know why, right? So just amazing job from Tyshawn Wyatt, Cole Potts, Tanner Morris, Tyler Stevens, Nick Kidwell. Little shout out to Josh Toner, who filled in admirably um, along the way. Who's also coming back. Who's also, all those guys, yeah. every single, so all 10 guys on the two deep this week for the Coastal game are coming back, have the ability to come back to JMU next year. Up to, you know, obviously there are things that will change there, but, and to be, and to be really clear about it, Nick Kidwell is the only one that will be a senior next year. So, um, yeah, just, that's a huge, huge space to watch. And the development of the guys behind those five too, or what comes in newly this year is going to be really fun to watch. Cause that, that, to me, that's the biggest reason for optimism going to next year is, that line with Kalon Black and Latrell Palmer, I, I don't care who else comes in, what recruit, you know, who's getting, <laughs> trying to get out recruited by other schools now or whatever. Yeah. Like, I don't care who else plays quarterback or running back outside of Latrell and Kalon. You put Latrell and Kalon with those five guys, they're going to be fun. Jimmy is going to be competitive yeah. in the Sunbelt East again next year. Like, that's it. Full stop. They're one of the favorites in the East next year immediately, no matter who's playing quarterback. So, yeah, I, I'm just really that 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 group. Amazing job! All right, Rob, defensive MVP underclassman. A lot of choices here. A lot of choices. I, I know we talked about Walker and mm-hmm. Jones, but 
Uh, I'm going to go with Carpenter. Yeah, that's that's the choice. <laughs> yeah. You know, he's just kind of low-key. He was overshadowed a little bit by Edwards and Uku, but he got into the backfield a lot, made a lot of tackles for loss. I just thought he was really steady and really good in kind of that, I don't want to say understudy role, but he was like, took advantage of the fact that, you know, other teams were looking to shut down the other guys and he just stepped up. And I think the future is really, really bright for him. It's unbelievable. Yeah. I mean, he's listed at 6'2", 276. But to listen to the announcers and his teammates talk about him, you'd think he's like 6'4", 305. Yeah. Like, you know. Just a monster. And he, I think, I may be wrong on this, but I think he started every game. He played like 90% of the plays this season at nose guard. Like, there's a reason. Cham, you finished number one in rushing defense. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. And that's, he's a huge, huge part of that. I'm with you completely. I think he's the underclass MVP. On defense for sure. Um, I'll go ahead and get the senior special teams MVP out of the way, Rob. It's got to be Kyle Davis. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I don't know how many years he's been here. He's like the Andre Semenov of JMU <laughs> football, right? At this point, uh, just a magical career. I don't know. At some point, he went to Frisco. Like he's been around for all of it. He's been a part of some kind of legendary specialist groups. Uh, did you read Grant Johnson's article in the breeze on him? The profile? I d- yeah. Yeah. It was really well done. Was it, they, they did a good job focusing on some of these underrated stories this year. Yeah, it was, it was really cool. It was well-written and it, just, it was very insightful. I really enjoyed it. Yeah. And um, yeah, big congrats to Kyle. I know he's really, you know, really pursuing a career at the NFL level. Like I, that's a, it's a weird position, but it's definitely one that where sometimes they, you know, that happens for people. Like I, I, what, whoever your favorite team is, you may not know the long snapper, but they're probably not someone who would otherwise start on your O line. Yeah. <laughs> like, uh, so yeah, good luck to him. Um, kind of cool. I did see there was a, there's a kid who was, I think the backup long snapper announced he was hitting the portal this year. Cause JMU does have, we have our first five-star recruit. <laughs> Rob, and he's a it's a five star long snapper hey. um, coming in. So yeah, I mean, got got to start somewhere. So that's awesome. But big congrats to him. Well, do you remember Ed Perry, tight end for JMU? He, yeah, he oh, was yeah. a long snapper in the NFL. There you go. Yeah. yeah. So he was tight end. Yeah. Like he originally was tight end. I think he like transitioned to long snapper in the pros. I think so too. Yeah. Um, I actually played against him in high school, <laughs> but that's very weird. Yes. Um, not successfully. Like, <laughs> um, yeah. So our special teams, MVP underclassmen, Rob, I think there are two or three choices here. Um, we've talked about one of them. I, I'm today. going with Mr. Wise personally. Me too. Me too. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I do think, you know, I thought, Josh Surratt had his moments in the punt return game this year. Um, I also hope that he will improve next year in catching more balls. Um, but not, not that he dropped them, but the, like the ones he chose to let bounce kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there was some, I mean, I think he was a step up at that position this year. I'd agree. This was a, t- yeah, but this, but I do think wise is definitely the underclassman MVP. Um, you know, this was a weird year. I think special teams, we should mention, 
this is one of the areas I'd like to see JMU improve the most in next year. And I don't mean improve in terms of play on the field. Like Wise did fine. Connor Madden kicked the ball out of the end zone. Sam Clark was fine at punter. Generally, like snapping was good. Returns were good. We had some injury issues in the kick return game, especially this year uh, with the Van Horse injury and whatnot. Um, also back next year. But JMU played a lot of starters on special teams this year um, in all the phases. Like in, you saw like Drew Painter caught the touchdown, then he had to go block on the extra point. Mm-hmm. And we saw a lot of guys. I thought there were a couple other guys. I think Tate Beaver, Francis Meehan. Like there were some guys who weren't necessarily starters all year who did a good job on special teams. But I'd like, to, I think J, as JMU's depth improves at the FBS level, I think there will be more. You know, I, I would like to not see Kalon Black on kick coverage, for example, <laughs> you know, like, or whatever. Like, I, there are some places, um, this is an area where I think um, you have to really give it up to coaching staff for kind of figuring out what the best way to win was this year and getting the best guys out there when they needed to. Uh, but you can't, you can't do that forever, right? I mean, Alabama doesn't, you know, they don't play their starters on special teams because they don't have to. And not to, not that we're going to be Alabama, but I, that's an area I think that can be improved upon overall. Um, Rob, all right, here's our three additional categories. Who is your best position group overall this season? Hmm. Overall, in terms of just pure play on the field, not versus my expectations, I'm going to go defensive line. There you go. Me too. Yep. That's okay. exactly right. Yep. We're going to do overperforming position group versus okay. expectations. But yeah, best position group to me was the defensive line. I think there are arguments for other groups. Um, pretty much every every position group on offense, I think, could, you could, could have a shout yeah. here. But I think so too, Rob. I think it's really hard. Um, the D-line was, they were dominant. You could not run the ball on this JMU team. We did not see anyone run the ball consistently on them. We saw a big play in the Marshall game. We saw a big play in the Georgia State game. Otherwise, nobody really ran the ball on them. Like, you know, and even in those games, I mean, there were other factors involved in that. I, I just, yeah, defensive line was unbelievable. And I think up and down, they we saw them. I mean, Carpenter, Edwards, Ukwu. Roma, Mbwako Konji, Jalen Green, like a lot of guys contributed this year. They were all really good. And they set up everything for those two linebackers to be the difference makers they were. Um, and, and they covered so much. The pressure that JMU got in the run game and the pass game helped the secondary kind of like get their footing under them all yeah. year. And it was, I mean, yeah. that was a young secondary. It was a banged up secondary at times, but the, the defensive line is, it, it's the cliche goes, you know, the game's won in the trenches, but it's cliche for a reason. And JMU had really special play on both the mm-hmm. offensive and defensive lines, but um, the offense was more like seeing them emerge and seeing them play really solid football in a way we didn't know. The defensive line there was just downright dominant. They were, you yep. Know? They were dominant. And with, that'll kind of take us to our next thing, which was, I don't know what you thought, Rob, but my best assistant coaching job this year, mm-hmm. there's a lot of guys who could get a shout here. Um, 
But Brian Haynes, as a defensive coordinator, was – I mean, replacing Corey Hedman, it was awesome. Not an easy thing to do. Not an easy – they were – I wrote down – and I'm stealing this from Noah Fleischman. So in the Sun Belt, they led, they led the Sun Belt in five categories. In those categories, they also were first in the nation in first downs against. First in the nation against the run, the total run at rushing defense. Total defense, they were ninth in the nation. Total sacks, they were third in the nation. Total tackles for loss, they were second in the nation. So sacks, third in the nation. Tackles for loss, second in the nation. Running defense, first in the nation. I, I mean, that's the D-line, and to me, a big part of that was the coaching. But if that says a hell of a lot about the way the D-line performed this year in I mean, I just did not expect this, Rob. I, I did not. We came into this year thinking like, okay, O-line, running game is going to be pretty good. A lot of other questions. But I did not see like the continuation of the dominant defense we've seen from JMU the last six years. They were ma- arguably a step up. From yeah, they were arguably the best. Like, I, yeah, I mean, I, 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 there are nits to pick on the back end, but man, what a good job. And like, God, I hope we can hang on to some of these assistant coaches. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they're going to need to raise the salaries. And those some of those guys have really earned it. <laughs> and, it, yeah, I just – I thought that uh, – everything on defense was outstanding in that way. Hard hard to argue, right? Yeah. So, um, all right, Rob, one last one. And this is what you alluded to before. Maybe we'll have something different this time. Um, what position group overperformed your expectations the most this year? For me, it was the receivers. Yeah. You know, like I think, I, I think right. we were pretty high on Thornton and, you know, he he showed why. But it was just a really good group. Like it, it was pretty even mm-hmm. after that, you know, depending on the game, you know, different guys step up. But it was just a little deeper. And mm-hmm. while not, it wasn't, you know, like a, the two-headed monsters that it was last year with Juice Wells and Thornton. Mm-hmm. I thought Brown was really good. I thought Green. Green um, was excellent. Green was excellent. I, I I was very high on him coming into the season, but Brown I felt was, like it took him yeah. a little bit. It took him a few games to get his footing, but he just seemed to come up with big catches. Like he didn't have flashy yep. numbers, but I felt like every time he made a play, it was an important play. You know, yep. moving the chains or doing things. So I thought he was great. Ravenel, we just talked about earlier. Like unfortunately. Mm-hmm. He, dealt with injuries all year but i mean all his whole career but really had some outstanding moments this year so as a group i thought that that whole just wide receiver position was terrific yeah i i I was blown away by them i I felt the same way as you rob we thought we had thornton and everything else was a question mark reggie brown looks like a guy who's prepared to lead the core next year like he really looked I, i know he had a little bit of banged up but came back and played great this weekend. I mean, he just, he looked awesome. And yeah. he's a big, tall guy who looked. He is a future number one. Yeah. He looked like a number one. And yeah, I mean, you're right. Green and Thornton should be celebrated. This is where I wanted to mention. I mean, Thornton, we talked about like senior offensive MVP. It's, it's hard to beat Centeno and or Percy, but Thornton made a lot of big catches. And I felt like he made a lot of big catches early in the year. When and another thousand yard season. Yeah. Wasn't sure what we had. He's just such a good football player. I really hope he gets a shot somewhere because he's just like the. I know he's little, but the way he plays, the way he runs routes, the consistency of his, of the way he catches, like 
I, I don't know. I just, he's the kind of guy that could find a home somewhere for six or seven years. Um, quietly. You Victor know, Cruz slack. type. Yeah. Like I just, I'm really exactly. I mean, I, I don't, there's just exactly. So I, I'm with you. I thought the overperforming, I mean, we talked a little bit about the linebackers. It's funny. They may not have overperformed what their coaches thought. <laughs> they just overperformed what us fans didn't know. Yeah. I think a lot of fans just saw that position as, Oh my gosh, Tucker Dorsey's gone. And and all the thought and analysis by a lot of us pretty much stopped at that point. It was just, Oh, we don't know. We don't know. The coaches seem confident. I mean, they saw these guys practice in years past and these guys were more than ready to step up, but that's, that's another one that you can make an argument for. Yeah, for sure. And I think it'll be fun to watch what the defense does, what Signetti and Haynes and company do as they sort of build out the roster with, you know, FBS recruits and FBS transfers, like fully recruited to FBS guys. Mm -hmm. Because I wonder, like, JMU essentially played a 4-2-5 this year. And I've wondered to myself, like, I know that's traditionally something JMU's done, but they also just didn't have a lot of guys to play linebacker this year. Yeah, And they had a lot more talented guys at the safety slash rover position. You know, I mean, I think there were some efforts out there to be like, let's get our best 11 on the field. And if that means we play like Q Reed, Josh Sherratt, and Chris Chukwinecki all together, so be it, right? Or Sam Kidd and Francis Meehan together, so be it. Like, you know, where I wonder if there's like a slightly larger, you know, sort of more traditional linebacker at some point if they find those guys available now in a way that they haven't before. I think it'll be easier now. That's what I think so. Yeah, that's that's what I wonder. I mean, because I, I I I want Jones and Walker on the field for every play next year, but do they have to be like stuffing the middle every time? Like I don't know if they need to, you know, if we find another guy. So I think that's just an interesting space to watch in terms of where JMU goes from here. You know, just with the way they're going to be able to recruit now, which I think is going to be a huge step up. So. I don't know if you had any others, Rob. I didn't have any other on the superlatives. I have a couple last notes, but. No, let's just keep it moving. Yeah. Um, uniforms look great this weekend. I'm not a, uh, you know, I don't want them to play in black regularly, but I thought they looked really sharp this week. Once a year. That was really fun. Uh, in fact, I found it more fun than the gold helmet at homecoming. I don't know. Anyways, that was just fun. Uh, crowd was really good this week for a Thanksgiving weekend game, Rob. I was impressed. I was, I was really very impressed. impressed. Yeah. I mean, you know, look, it was a significantly larger than like past playoff crowds, particularly Thanksgiving weekend playoff crowds. Um, also just really into it. And it still had that like cool, what the playoff crowds used to have, which is like everyone who's there is into the, they're there for the game. Like they were there for senior day and for the game. They weren't there for, you know, a social event. Like you had to take time out of your Thanksgiving weekend to do it. It was really cool. Um, we talked. Uh, we didn't talk talk about that. Said the radio. Um, no, nah, just a couple. Oh, I thought they did a really good job in the stadium, Rob. With um, we we've been talking about like like I know that everyone has said like the music and stuff. We've been like talking about it, but they're they're ramping it up. So you know, same year, same thing with the team learning in their first year. The whole staff has been learning and. Hopefully next year is going to be like a, you know, another leap into the future on all that stuff, uh, whether it's lights or smoke or 
Well, they certainly seem receptive to feedback. They do. And, and just huge credit to them for that because it made the experience really good. And you could, you could tell even on TV this weekend, rewatching today, you could tell um, that was an, like, I don't know. It was fun. They were, they were filling in the gaps really well. Um, and it was fun just to see a couple last things, Rob, our guy, you know, Spencer Hall. Like, it was fun to see even a few last national uh, people being like, whoa, Jamie yeah. was really beating that ass. Yeah, like, that was... like, it was just fun to have that recognition again at the end of the season, right? Well, just and the then... fact that people were paying attention. Yeah, well, that's all, I mean, even today, not that way, you know, uh, we have our own things about that, but like, our, our, you know, JMU alum, PFT commenter, also, you know, saying they're going to throw a pizza party for JMU. Like, yeah, I just thought it was pretty fun to yeah, see, like, the national attention around. Yeah, and look, I'm not going to look – I don't think I'm ever going to look back at the season and say, like, I'm disappointed. Huh. It's a hard thing. Am I going to be disappointed we weren't eligible for more things? No. I don't think I actually am. I don't actually like, care. The season was perfect. Yeah. It was – they were 8-3. and three. It's very clear they – whooped Carolina's ass and they were the, they would have won the East and everyone knows who won the East. Everyone, you know, Georgia Southern feels a lot better about themselves because they beat JMU this year. And then over the weekend, they got to rush the field again for beating App State, which is great. You know, like, um, also hysterical App State, not, not going bowling. Um, yeah, but I just, yeah, I, I just, it was a fun, it was a perfect, perfect season. I had, I was very nervous about the season, Rob. I mean, you, we, I think we both were. And I wasn't nervous like, oh, Jamie's going to just fall on their face and be terrible. I was just nervous like, oh, all the people who said we weren't ready. Or... I wasn't worried about the people outside of our fan base. It's the people in our own fan base who for so many years have been like, it's a whole different level. We're not going to be ready. Like, we can't play with this. Every time we'd lose one game, you know, be like, oh, see, we can't go up. They went eight and three. Like, what do you want them to do? Yeah, they handled their business. It was really handled their business. It was exceptional. Yeah, and uh, and I think they're going about this the right way. Just the the Kings of the East thing is perfect. They're not Mm -hmm. whining about it. They're just kind of stating matter of fact. Like, hey, we finished first. There we go. Making a big deal of it. Playing, we are the champions. The players celebrating, but then kind of learning from last year and realizing like you ain't gonna win this fight. Nobody's changing rules. There's mm-hmm. no point in making a bunch of enemies with the rest of the Sun Belt. So just, you know, go ahead, yep. make make the goofy banners. They're not they're yep. not official, but they're a heck of a lot of fun. And we must have said fun nine million times on this episode. But that's what it was. But, but it was. Um, and I don't know. I like and get your Kings of the East shirts, Breaking Tea. So. Yeah, yeah. Well, I the fun thing, Rob. I I just you know there weren't. It's a weird thing, right? Because there weren't. In the grand scheme of things, there weren't enormous stakes this year. No. Kind of playing with house money in some ways. Right. But it was it turned out to be like one of the more memorable, fun seasons we've ever watched. Like I don't know. It just was awesome. And I can tell you one thing. Next year when they go on the road, I was looking, so their home games next year are Bucknell to open. Yukon, they'll have ODU, App State, and Georgia Southern all at home. That's a damn good home schedule right there. It is. Right? <laughs> oh, and plus one team from the West. Um, not Texas State or Arkansas State. So And hopefully we Troy. can avoid this kind of two games on either ends of the students being gone 
the home game situation. Yeah, yeah, exactly. We've only get one these last two weeks. Yeah. yeah. But they're going to have ODU at Georgia Southern, Bucknell, and UConn at home next year. And they're going to go to UVA, to Miami of Ohio. And then they're going to be in the Sun Belt in conference. They're going to be at one of the Western teams and then Georgia State, Coastal, and Marshall. You can bet. That's pretty when nice. They to, when they go to Georgia State, Coastal, and Marshall next year, they're not going to be afterthoughts. Like, you know, like Jamie's not – there's not going to be any like, oh, they're the new team or they're transit. Like those – everyone's going to know what it means. Yeah, there's no sneaking up on anybody. Yeah, we haven't figured out the conference schedule yet. But let's just hypothetically say that JMU comes out of Bucknell, UConn, UVA, and Miami um, in pretty good shape, <laughs> which – I think they might, you know, whoever that first road game is, whether it's Georgia State or Coastal or Marshall, they're going to know what they're in for and what JMU is all about. And that's pretty awesome coming out of a first first year in FBS. So it's going to be a fun, be a fun off season. I have a feeling. Um, already got one transfer quarterback allegedly committed. <laughs> we'll, I, I have a feeling that may not be the last of the quarterback situation, uh, as we learned last year. In or out, yeah. Yeah, in or out, right? That's that's what I mean. In or out, and and also just like last year, there was a, there was like two days where we had the Duke transfer, and then we didn't have the Duke yeah. He couldn't and, academically qualify or something. And like thank that goodness we didn't have the Duke transfer because yeah. we got Santeo. So like I, I don't know. I'm not gonna. We'll see who's actually. When, we'll see when who's there. Practice, when summer camp starts, yeah, yes. exactly. We'll see who's really there. We'll talk about this again after the spring game. Yeah. Um, but until then, huge, huge congratulations to a team that stakes or no stakes, postseason or no postseason, they will not be forgotten easily. No, legendary. 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 Kings of the East. Yeah. And, and look, in a future year, JMU fans, they're, we're hosting this weekend. We're hosting Troy with a what? Not out like not insignificant. Would be in the, yeah. Well, not not yeah. I mean, uh, they would be in a real conversation right now, right? If Tulane gets their doors blown off this week or whatever, you know, I don't know. They'd be talked about still, and this would be fun, and we'd have at least the conference championship plus a bowl uh, ahead of us still. So it's not like every season's going to end at Thanksgiving. I, I know some people were saying this weekend, like, oh, man, you know, there were some people saying this is great because I don't have to, like, plan my life in December and, like, ask my Around family the playoffs. to go for, like, three weeks in a row at random times. Yeah. And then there were other people who were like, I'm so sad because the season never ends this early. Um, but neither of them are right, actually. Like, in the in the future world – like there will be two more games, you know, at going. least one yeah. more game, even in a non-championship game year, there will be a bowl game to go to and three, three or four more weeks to talk about football. And in a Sunbelt championship year, there might even be like way, way, way bigger things to discuss um, coming up this weekend in a 12 team playoff world. So uh, I don't know. Yeah. Congrats, Rob. We made it through our first FBS we made season. We made it. I can't believe it. Uh, and everybody go get your Kings of the East t-shirt, breakingtea.com slash Jamie sports blog. You can see it there, but they really, Breaking Tea did a great job with it. That was not our doing. I know people tend to think that we're like, we design these. We do not at all. We just think they're awesome. Yeah. And beyond Breaking Tea and Jamie Nation and everybody else who's putting together awesome shirts and doing cool stuff, 
like credit to JMU, whoever put the made the sign like yeah. before the game. Like someone was ready to celebrate, and the yeah, band so was about, ready to play. Right yeah, the, they the band was ready to play. We are the champions, and like it was good. They were ready to make this a big deal, and, and did, those kids they, they hit all the right it. notes. Yeah, those kids and coaches deserved it. Um, we got to find some money this offseason for coaches and for NIL, and then we'll be we'll be ready to attack this. Uh, that's a topic for another goal. pod. That's... That is exactly. Um, good luck, JMU volleyball. We will be watching and cheering uh, a lot this week. We'll be enjoying. Um, hopefully along with USA soccer, but uh, I, I expect more out of JMU volleyball than I do USA soccer, to be honest. So, yeah. So first things first, let's get through tomorrow. Get through tomorrow. Yes. Or today by the time most of you listen. So um, <laughs> we'll see what happens. Rob, it was great to talk to you and I'll be looking forward to breaking down some uh, NCAA tournament volleyball next week. Yeah. Likewise. Right. Uh, have a good week. All right. Go Dukes. Trapped in the shadows of the cage around the 40-watt light.